0: Single dad, why you mad? Single dad,
1: why you mad? Single dad, 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 why you mad? mad? Oh, damn, I gotta get back in the gym whenever
0: that shit reopens. So as a guy who was bench pressing, workout weight of 225, like warm-up weight of 225, and maxing out at 315, this running ain't getting it. Because I'm not doing it enough, number one, and uh, number two, uh, it's just brutal. My knees are already football and everything else. My knees are done, and I already had one fixed, but I could feel something going on in the other one, and I could feel something going
1: on in the hip. That's 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 real old man shit right there, like the knees. I have started doing push-ups. See, I, I had a good run going when this shit first jumped off. Like when they were like, oh, you know, you're going to have to shelter in place. You're going to have to be at home. I'm like, And I said it a lot. I was like, yo, if I'm going to be on lockdown, I'm coming out with a prison body. I'd get up every morning. I'd go for the walk, you know, maybe throw a little run in it, do some hills, come home and do, during the day, throw you know, a bunch of push-ups around. And then I had like a pull-up bar. And um, that lasted for a little while, especially like when I had that, uh, I think I sent you the video, the the bear show up in my yard yeah that put the kibosh and everything i was like i ain't going outside
0: (laughs) so um uh we are just past father's day right and we premiered last year our first episode on father's day so we thought it would be a good idea to do a recap of the year so i sent you some stuff did you get a chance to look at it
1: yeah i saw the um the stuff you texted me with our listing of episodes
0: Yes. But the first thing, obviously, that jumps out at me is that um, we have had a total of 3,600 and change downloads. And I'm not even really sure what that means. Besides, those are the people who have absolutely listened to an episode. Because if you check the feed, the feed says that we have 1,000 people who are uh, listening regularly, right? Right. What? The RSS feed. So having a thousand people that listen on a regular basis versus um, having thirty six hundred actual downloads, I'm not quite sure you know what that means, but I'm going to get into it. But it also lists um, when we look at our stats, um, and and also I want to keep in mind that um, you know we're not pushing out episodes every week, right? right. We're pushing out episodes bi weekly. The typical podcast puts out episodes every week, so um, every week would mean um, maybe that we would have double that many. I don't know. Right. I don't know what that means. But it it appears because we've issued 36 episodes in the past year, be they bonus or whatever else it is, 100 people have listened on average to each episode.
1: If you get 100 people to do anything, that that's a pretty good turnout ratio for most yeah. things, you know. Yeah. Yeah. For 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 two dudes sitting around rambling about you know their lives. Their kids that they love way too much, and their difficulties with their baby mamas, uh, I call that should okay. oh, a win. Okay. I call it win. All right.
0: Um, I can definitely tell you I'm not interested in going to every week because it's too much work. Uh, and I don't have that much time. I hold a full time job and I run a business also. So it's, it's, it's just too much. Yeah, yeah. like you're, 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 you're an American,
1: but you work like a Caribbean
0: dude, you got like five jobs. <laughs> and, and, and then the other side of this. Right. So we don't do much, if any, political commentary or social justice commentary. But there's a lot of pol- politics going on in this past year. And there is a lot of, uh, you know, social justice activity going on, especially in the last you know couple of months. Um, and at our last episode, one of the things you said as we were closing out is, you know, Black Lives Matter. One of the things I noticed, because I keep track of who's following us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook or whatever else it is, is that we have, at the very least, one MAGA follower. You knew that? I wouldn't be surprised by it. Okay. And I do know that sometimes people do that sort of thing simply because they're trolling. It's not unusual for a MAGA or somebody else to join or follow a Black Lives Matter or some sort of other social media content just to get a rise out of people and start some conversation or whatever else. Is. I don't know. I'm going to assume that it's genuine, but I thought that this would be a good time at the very least to briefly speak on politics um, quickly. And um, if we wanted to do you know, some sort of social justice commentary, and you should feel free to if you want to go first.
1: I, uh, absolutely, because I've been having a lot of these conversations over the past few weeks, right? I don't share a lot about what I specifically do for work on on, on our show, but it, part of what I do is I head up the uh, the black professional group for my company as some, sort of a, an add-on to my day job. So uh,
0: hold that thought. Yeah. You mean Miles went into the bathroom, he peeked his head out, and then he went into the bathroom. Now he's calling me from the bathroom, which you know? And he needs me to wipe his butt. Hold on, <laughs> go for it. He is as regular as his
1: dad. Go. <laughs> So, like I said, I don't share very much about my day job. In addition to what I do for my company to make my bread, I also head up our Black professional group for the state of Connecticut for my company. So, in these recent weeks, it's fallen on me and, and my team to do some outreach for employees, to get together with like, leadership at the company, and talk about like, some of the moves that we're making and the support we're going to give to the community, and more in particular, our employees during during, these times and also begin the conversation for our white employees because a lot of them are reaching out going, oh shit, I'm sorry for being blind for so long. How do I do better? How do I do more? You know, that's stretched out to my personal life as well because in a lot of circles because of where I live and what I do for a living, I'm the designated black guy. You know, I'm very often the only black guy in the room. and so because I have that relationship with, with with quite a few of my white friends and colleagues, there is that level of comfort where they reach out and they go, yo, I've seen shit like this on the news before, but never as disturbing as what we had going on in Minneapolis or, you know, what, or what's as, as disturbing and visceral as what we saw happen to a man on in Georgia. Or like this poor girl who's an EMT, she's in her house, you know, asleep and gets gunned down. Like, holy shit. And it becomes, how can I do more? How can I do better? Like, I'm like, I can't believe I've had a blind eye to this for so long. And um, a lot of the conversation I've been having with my black friends is like, you know, there's two camps. There's one camp that's like, well, you know what? It's not my fault that you're just seeing it now. Go read a book or do some online research and figure it out for yourself because I don't have the time or energy to teach you anymore. And then you have the other camp that goes, oh, okay, now you finally see what the fuck are we going to do about it? And And I find myself firmly falling into the second camp. Like, I have a lot of friends who are just like, I'm not entertaining anybody, I'm not teaching anybody, I'm not having these discussions, because fuck it, this is 400 years of this shit, how did you not see it? And, you know, it's interesting, you know, I was having a conversation with my sister earlier today, and I said, you can't be mad at dolphins for not understanding ego problems. I mean, you could be mad, you can be frustrated. But you also have to realize it's about perspective. If it doesn't happen in your neighborhood, you are not branching out and hanging out with people who are not like you to share experiences. You're going to be stuck in your world. As human beings, we are tribal. We are insular. We are apathetic. So we find our tribe. We find people who remind us of us because there's safety in numbers and our primitive monkey-ass brains make us believe that being surrounded by somebody that I have a commonality with is going to keep me alive. And then once we find that tribe, you know, we don't want to be acted upon by outside forces. You know, we don't want people coming in and make us have to change what our tribe does because it makes us feel uncomfortable. And then thirdly, we're apathetic. So if it doesn't directly impact our tribe, we kind of turn a blind eye to this shit. And it's human nature. It's not, you know, just a black and white thing. It's a man versus woman thing. It's an American versus the rest of the world thing. You know, there's shit that goes on that's outside of our given purview as an individual, and we just don't pay attention to it. shit. So from my perspective, now that we have people paying attention, I'm absolutely going to do everything I can to continue drawing that attention and having those conversations, because I would rather have a million awkward-ass conversations with my white friends, colleagues, and allies, and put them on the right path to making change and doing better than have them feel too embarrassed or afraid to have the conversation with me sit in their house and let this moment pass. God bless you. Somebody gotta bless you. Probably on the other side of the camp. And uh,
0: um, I think some of that has to do with the fact that uh, um, I don't believe a lot of uh, the inquiry about, oh my God, I can't believe this is what's going on and I haven't noticed it for all of this time is genuine. I believe it's, a lot of it is you know, bullshit. I don't, I don't know how you can. We've had camera phones for the longest. This, this isn't the first time. Everybody saw Rodney King, and people have their issues about Rodney King. Like it's, it's like you know, looking for the villain that does not look like you. It's easy to find a villain that does not look like
1: you. I mean, and that's that's every story. The, the, the villain is always other than you. If you, the villain is like you, somehow, if you the remember, best stories they
0: are. But in most parts if now. you remember, there was the guy that was pulled over, and he had you know back child support. So he ran and the cop shot him in the back yep. uh, and then picked up his own taser and threw it next to the guy to imply that the guy grabbed his taser and was running with it or whatever else it was. Do you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. It on camera. And then, you know, after he turned it in, he was getting death threats and all that other sort of stuff. So, you know, that case went to trial, right? Um, and there was a mistrial or the guy didn't go to jail or was acquitted or whatever else it was. And they interviewed one of uh, the women who was on the jury, who was, you know, a middle to older aged white woman, who I believe was the only holdout. I could be wrong, but I believe she was the only holdout. And uh, her comment was, yeah, I saw the video. Yeah, I saw what happened, but I just could not do it to that man. I just could not sentence that man to all of that time and ruin his family like that. That subtext, from where I sit, is just always there. It's just and, always going to be. And
1: and, and, and so, like you, you know how we any conversation we have on this show, I'm always talking about like, yo, there's so much to unpack, and you got to do the deconstruction, get to the root cause, right? And you got to think about the no, programming. No, no, I
0: don't have to think
1: about. No, right. I don't. I don't. I don't. Look, here's what I say: It's absolutely your choice not to think. Right? It's absolutely your choice not to think about the programming that goes in, right? Just like it's absolutely their choice not to choose if it's to see that they've been programmed. And so and I'll take and it I'll, I'll, I'll even a step further, right? Those people are not the people I'm having conversations with. And, and you know, there's something else I shared earlier, just, you know, in that conversation with my sisters, I am having conversations with, and I am putting time and energy into people who want to know and want to do better. I'm not here trying to convert, motherfuckers because I know what it's like to spend your life trying to inject logic into illogical conversation. I mean, like, hell, just go through Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. You absolutely have the commentary of people like, oh, I can't wait for shit to go back to normal. Or, oh, here we go, social justice warriors injecting race into everything. Motherfucker, the reason you don't see race is because you have that option. You can go through your entire life as a white person and not actively think about being white and how that impacts the choices you make and how that impacts the behaviors you show. There's a difference in existence. And if you continue to turn a blind eye to that difference in existence, I'm not going to spend the time on it. But that said, there are a lot of people who in this moment in time, are
0: trying to make a change. And I'm saying that anybody who's legitimately trying to do that does not need me. They have everything they could possibly want and do that on their own. When I'm looking for the truth, there are so many resources out there where I can find it. I don't have to go to a Black person to find it. So I'm going to start with the furthest thing away from me, right? I'm looking for the truth on the difficulties of being a transsexual male, meaning a woman that has converted to a male, or a male that has converted to a woman. When I'm looking for the difficulties around that, I don't need to go to a transsexual person and have a conversation with them, you know, and ask them and talk to them about it. There are so many things that I can do on my own to find that out. But again, we could get caught on this for the longest amount of time. How are you parenting through COVID or what they would like to call post-COVID? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Which I am absolutely in disagreement on. And if you don't mind, I'd like to go first quickly. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So everybody wondered why New York and California the hardest hit you know the most cases especially new york right um and then spreading out from new york and around right but new york hit hard why you got all those people over there you got all those people over there right maybe that's why you're all on top of each other if you spread out like the we are in the midwest and other places like that maybe you wouldn't have so many cases and You know, maybe it's because there's more poor people or there's more minorities in those places or whatever else. So I did some research on it. If you go back to when COVID first landed here in the U.S., one of the first things they did, our president, was to shut down travel in from China. And the majority of travel that comes in from China comes in through California. And it was at least, and I don't know the exact number, but it was at least another month maybe even 45 days before they shut down travel coming in from Europe, which comes in primarily through New York City. Why? Because this was called the Chinese It's a Chinese problem. We were setting up an enemy and that was the enemy. And it's easy to create an enemy that does not look like you. So let's Absolutely. blame it on the Chinese. Meanwhile, at the same time, when we shut down travel that was coming in from China, Europe had just as many if not more cases than China. Italy was already shut down. Why wouldn't they shut down travel coming in from Europe? So Cuomo was on a couple of months ago or a month ago when they first started you know, doing the data analysis. And he did this chart. And the chart just showed the amount of time in between when they shut down travel coming in from California and they shut down travel coming in through JFK. And he said, I forget the exact number, right? But let's just say, five million people came in through JFK. Figure the numbers. That's why New York got hit so goddamn hard, because we continue to allow people to come through. And those people who came through over there, branched out, touched, ate with, sat around with, partied with, got in taxis with, got on buses with, got on trains with, all of these people here, and spread that before they started to go someplace else. Which is why now we're seeing numbers in places like Texas, And Midwest or whatever else it is, start to fire up because those people have made their way through the rest of the country. My point behind this is that race is in everything that we do. That goes without saying. Racism plays a part in every decision that gets made, starting at the top. And it disgusts me. So when they start talking about opening up these doors and we getting ready to go back to normal, I don't trust these motherfuckers for nothing. And I am going to stay my ass in the house for as long as I possibly can. And if I do go out around anybody or if
1: I do let my boy out around anybody, it will be with the utmost protection. I'll say this. Race absolutely plays a part in the decision-making process, whether overtly and consciously or as a subtext. That's the way that's the way the world has worked. That is the way that laws have been written. As far as we have had a United States, it, it, it absolutely puts an impact on, on the things that we do and the things that we say, the choices they make. It's really interesting when you talk about the spread. So you look at two open ports. You also look at population density. you know, so that's another reason why you had a spread as quickly and as horribly as, as you had on either coast. But they
0: had to get there first, though. Right. No. I, 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 if you it, didn't let them in in the first place, then but, they had to get there
1: first. Right. What I'm, what I'm saying is I'm not arguing that That's not accurate. I'm saying what you're saying is 110% accurate. We're going to shut down the places that don't look like the majority of our people is basically what it was. And then we'll deal with everybody else. And then when you look at, you know, the spread and the impact, like USA, we have twice as many cases as the next following country. So we are the fucking hotbed of contagion at this point. Look at the, look at the cases, look at what's going on. You've all these people who go, oh, You know, shit is fine, shit is dandy. It doesn't happen down here. If we don't know somebody who's been affected by COVID, it's a lot easier to say that shit is a government hope. Prior to my brother dying,
0: I didn't know anybody infected by COVID, and I stayed my fucking ass in the house.
1: Because you you also knew it was real based on the proximity of shit happening in New York.
0: But not proximity. Yeah. I mean, but but I guess I guess my point behind saying that is maybe maybe it's just I choose what's the word I'm looking for? To not be an asshole. But you know, this is another issue that we could spend a whole bunch of time on. But the idea behind this episode was us to recap how we got here. Meaning a year later, we talked briefly about it in the beginning. We've done 32 episodes. We didn't do any episodes on politics or social justice. Actually, one of the only episodes we did that could even come close to some sort of social justice was Black Father's Myth. Right. Outside of that, we didn't rip. I went back and looked at all the episodes to pull out what I thought had um, you know, the most flavor or the most impact for me. I think one of the first ones that I thought and and I'm calling this, I'm putting this in the category of I thought it was going to be one thing. But it ended up being something else. Um, single mom by choice. <laughs> oh yeah. So when we first talked to, her, so so when when we ever bring we bring somebody on, I don't know about you and the people that you know you bring on, but right. when I bring somebody, I do not want to talk to them about their story. I do not want to do no pre-interview. I want it to all be natural, to be flavorful. Right. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what's coming next. Right. So I thought single mom by choice meant that she didn't want to have anybody else in her life. And she wanted to raise these kids on her own. Right. And that's not what we found out. What we found out was is that she just didn't find anybody at the time to have a baby with. And she decided to go out and have a baby so that she could you know, get that behind her before it got too late for her because of all her physical issues. Remember, I asked her the question, you, you got one baby here, you got another baby here, you're trying to do 10 different things. Wouldn't it be nice to have somebody that you could say, hey, take these motherfucking kids while I go get my hair done. Right. And her answer was, what did she say? Uh, Is a pig's pussy pork. <clears throat> pork, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is a pig's pussy pork, right? So that that I, you know, um, I'm putting in the uh, one of my top episodes, but I'm also putting it in the. I thought it was going to be one thing, but it actually ended up being something else.
1: I, I think that that tends to be the trend with with the conversations we have, right? Like if I if I had to sign numbers. And like as I was writing them down, like my favorite episodes, I was like just taking a couple of notes. Like that was the fourth one I wrote down. Not necessarily a fourth one as in terms of a number order or my favorite, but like that was the fourth one that came to mind. And I remember going, well, goddamn, this is not what I thought it was going to be. But I I, I think there's a level of that with all of our guests. Uh, Even the ones I know personally, like I may know part of your story, but it isn't until you get on the air here and you start sharing and we go down the rabbit hole that I'm like, oh, fuck, like, wow, like, this this is a lot deeper than I thought.
0: So do you have an episode like that where we started out and you said, oh shit and then it ended up being something else
1: yeah I you know, one of the first episodes was uh, not one of the first episodes but one of the episodes that came to mind in that way was the mental health episode because this is a guy I've known for 10 years you know, good friend love the guy to death you know, just awesome human being and even before I met him I had heard his story because
0: well, let's be clear about which episode we're talking about. What so, is, we're,
1: we're talking about the episode with uh Mike Ganstey uh sharing about his wife, uh, his wife killing herself and leaving him as was, a single father.
0: Uh, he was suffering from um bipolar disorder and uh depression, right? And they had two kids already, they had two kids already, and that's how he became a single dad,
1: right? Yeah, and it. it you know, living in a, a smallish state like Connecticut and working in an industry like we do where there's a lot of overlap. His story made it to me at least a year or two before I had ever met him. Because it was it was, you know, on the news and I had known people who knew him. And then he and I ended up working together, we're having a conversation. I'm like, oh shit, like this is the kind that of this thing happened to
0: now, you said it was on the news. Tell me what you mean by that.
1: It was covered on the news the, you know, the way that his wife passed away. And I can't remember if he shared that on the episode. And I, I don't necessarily want to go into the, 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 the logistics of it all. But needless to say, it was impactful the way that it happened um, and impacted the community and impacted people who knew them and we've had conversations about it you know, and we've sat there and, and we've talked about you know mental health issues and things of that nature but not in the soul-bearing detail that he, he went into on this show and in recording and going back and listening to it cause I, and I've listened to it a, like a couple of times like you know with most of my episodes i listen to them once like hear what we released and you know kind of get the flavor and flow of the show but that one like I, I listened to it a couple of times man and like It hit me in my heart, and and, and like I didn't—not to say that I didn't know—but I had no idea that it would be as deep as it was. You know. So um, yeah, uh,
0: that that was a a difficult episode for me. Also, you know, the ideas um, of of so so I am grateful, right? Every time I think of that, or I think of some of the other um, people that we have talked to. I am grateful, you know, that my son was born healthy. Um, that, you know, um and that I it makes you glad every day. When you know, it, to hear somebody else's troubles, you know, you I, I thank I thank God every day. I thank God every day. Um so uh there was another episode. So there was two. I'm going to call it two right so the first that that, that was impactful right oh and and six uh, uh circling back real quick so the single mom by choice um as of today that is our top episode it, um <laughs> i'm not surprised broadcast on uh 3 8 20 march 8th and had a total of 205 downloads since um which is in the number one slot for the number of downloads. Um, And then Mike Gansy's episode was broadcast on November 3rd and has 129 downloads. So that's actually probably number 11, uh, order of how many people have watched. But the next one that uh, jumped out at me um, as uh, memorable was uh, DILF number one. Yeah. Yeah. Add on... uh, two guests who have dated single dads right yeah and their challenges with dating single dads right and then my challenges in dating you know um and uh if you remember i played an audio clip from uh a woman i had dropped off in brooklyn see mm-hmm. i'm calling myself right now because i'm given uh,
1: listen man. Yo, after these, ba- after that baby mama episode, you ain't got no secrets. You gotta just bare your fucking soul on this show. Good point. You're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right.
0: You, yeah, you, you're, you're out there. I can be out there too. Listen, we, 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 we out here, we out here naked in the wind together, brother. Let's go. Yeah. So that audio clip and uh, you know the feedback that I got from that right mm-hmm. was memorable for me. And when I say that, am I saying that that person figured out that it might be them? And reached out to me and asked I'm sure. <laughs> so what was the feedback? Uh, you want some bullshit? I didn't mean it like that. You taking it out of out of context. And uh, when the next time we go hook up. See that that
1: was gonna be. Thank you for anticipating my next question. Because you, you, if, if you got to reach out, you know what's coming. At least I do. You know, a, a man can be home. Um, I think what my top episode that came to mind as like an impactful episode, like an episode that I really enjoyed that I was like, wow. And I, I think it was not just like the episode, it was the process of the episode. And that was Guy Bryant. Because that was the first time that you and I had, met in person Look, we probably met like in passing like in family shit but like met in person after the impetus of of this thing that you know, we're creating we're building and people um, about who Guy Bryant is so Guy Bryant is a social worker with a 42 year probably 43 years now year history in the social services system
0: Um, as a social worker but also a foster father who is responsible for fostering over 50 young men ages
1: uh 15 and up
0: yeah he only takes in the older ones he only takes in the
1: older ones um because everybody wants a baby at risk which are the right. most at risk right the, the ones who need the most help and you are know, just the kind of dude that guy was right so you know on that on that personal level of you and i making that that in-person connection and then going to his office and sitting there and having that conversation with guy and seeing how well respected and well received he was by his colleagues and him sharing stories of, of, of you know, his over four decades in social work. And just the kind of dude he is, man. Like, just an amazing, amazing dude. Like, like we shot him a text the other day, and he hits us right back and just, you know, just humble about life. You know, but just so much love in his heart and so much support. And I remember us walking out and looking at each other and going, yo, I ain't shit. But I think I do stuff to help people out. I think I do stuff to help my community. You know, I think I'm doing this dad thing right, but, yo, know, I ain't shit.
0: But well, I, well, also, he gave you a pair of sneakers. Uh, he, gave, he gave
1: me two pairs of sneakers, dude. He gave me two pairs of, of Converse against my shoe size during the course of the interview. He's doing superhero shit. And that episode, like, when we, you know, set up for this, and we're talking about, like, yo, what, what, what are the episodes that hit you? That was the first one that came to mind for me. Yes. Good.
0: That was a great episode. So, there is another great episode that was impactful for me that I almost left off my list, right? What was that? Nefertari Plessy. Yes. And the reason is because of the one line that she kicked that has stuck with me ever since in everything that I do, which is. Um, co-parenting is basically you being forced to interact with somebody that if it wasn't for that kid, you would never talk to again for the rest of your life. And uh, that line rests with me for forever, right? I'm being forced to do something that I don't want to do, and I need to figure out a way to get through it so that it's not uh, a heavy lift every time.
1: And and it's interesting because in Doing that episode and having that conversation with her. And, like, you know, we don't always release video for this stuff. But she was one of our first guests to suddenly challenge you. Because right? I, I want to say the first guest to challenge you because we've had people come on and they butt heads with our points of view. But she was just like, yo, boom. And you're like, oh, yo, I, I, I didn't think about it like that. You know? And and, and that's one of the things, I. Like, Like, even the feedback I get from this show, like, people texting me or DMing me or, like, whatever, and reaching out and having conversations about what we do. Like, they'll reach out and they'll go, yo, Dave is like a bull in a china shop sometimes. I'm like, yeah, but he grows and he evolves. I say, so you're dealing with a bull that knows what the fuck it's doing, right? And I point to that that Nefertiti Plessy episode as one of those moments where you're like, yo, this is what I believe and this is what's up Oh, that's food for thought. And you I evolve from can, that shit. I can be changed. Yeah. I can be changed. Yeah. I, 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 I think that that like just the, the, those little jewels she dropped during the course of her episode. And I think her ability to be self-aware and self-actualized in the course of her divorce and the course of her single parenting, that was incredibly impressive to me. So, I'm going to grant you something
0: right now, right? So, you said that you're talking to people who are open to change. And I'm willing to step back now and say, okay, if I was open to change and she said that and I heard it, which is not something that I possibly could have heard before, right? And nobody said it to me like that before, then maybe, maybe. There are people out there who are on the other side of the color spectrum, who are open to change, but just haven't heard it in a way that clicks for them. So, just like she had that conversation with me, I'm not saying I'm committed to it. I'm saying maybe I can go out there and have those sort of conversations with those other people who are on the other side of the spectrum.
1: Maybe. I'm Ladies, not, gentlemen, and consenting adults, you heard it here first. DM David for all your black guy questions. Not Let's go. <laughs> I'm
0: not committing to it. I'm saying <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Um, speaking of a bull in a china shop, right? The shortest episodes, or one of the shortest episodes that we've ever done, which was bonus, was the yeah. genitals, right? Yeah. And... and Hold, so, so look who's here. Come here. Come here. What up, Miles? So now, what are you saying to me? What did you just say to me? First of all, are you supposed to be in the bed right now?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why are you not in the bed?
1: Because my nose hurts and I want to show you something.
0: Your nose hurts and you wanted to show me something. Mm-hmm. What do you want to show me?
1: Uh, watch. Watch? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> so... Show Chris. Yeah, do it. <laughs>
0: That's what you wanted to show me? Because emojis do that? Do <laughs> it. All right. Okay. In the bed, Miles. Okay. Don't forget your nose. Yes.
1: Night, Miles. <laughs> Dude, don't stop. Don't stop. I want to show you something. Know.
0: So, um, gender roles, right? Yeah. Sort this bonus. Um, content where it was you, myself, and Scotty talking about some of the things that Nefertari Neferteri talked about with respect to gender roles, you right. know, especially in co-parenting, and that's definitely something that I want to get more into. I don't think we've been into it enough. I don't think we dived deep enough into it, and I definitely want to circle back on that. But you know, am I still stuck on the? And I'm going to be honest about it, man. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to be honest about it. I'm the man. I'm the one that's, you know, um, leading or guiding on some level, even though we're apart. This doesn't mean that I'm walking around, you know, beating on my chest, and I'm like King Kong, and I throw you up on my shoulder, and I'm going through the jungle, and blah, 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 blah. You know, um, so as an Sometimes example, I like to be thrown over the shoulder. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. All right. You know but um like you know as an example so you know i got an email from miles mom um uh yesterday where she's telling me or the day before that you know miles was in one pre-k school and that she you know applied or is changing him to this other pre-k school right so you know the first one so he was in daycare I moved him from daycare to preschool because I wanted him to be challenged and now he went from preschool and she's switching him for next year to a different preschool, right? I'm not challenging her on that. Yeah. But well, why, why the changes? I just asked a simple question. Why did you choose this school over the other school? Right. a valid reason. I'm not going to rob that from her. I'm not going to take that from her. You know what I'm saying? Um, they're both in the neighborhood. It's not difficult to get to, you know? So... You know, I'm not running around like this motherfucker beating my chest, but on some level, there is my male, I hate to use the word ego, but there is my male ego that is still involved in the parenting slash co-parenting relationship. And, and I say this, I
1: don't think that it's necessarily an ego thing. That's a valid question. Well, he, he's been in this this many schools, why are we changing what, what, what's, what's, the, what's the thought
0: about it? But I'm taking the school out of it. I'm just talking about he is the head of this household when it comes to them boys, even if I'm with somebody else. Right. It's the way it
1: is, right? And, and it, 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 it's, it's really interesting as you frame it in that way, because that was a conversation that me and my ex-wife had. Well, we've, we've had it for years, right? And I would always say to her, at some point, you got to fall the fuck back. And not because I'm a man, but because there are gonna be a lot of situations where I my body of experience and expertise is gonna supersede yours. And there are gonna be times that your, your body of expertise and experience are gonna supersede mine. But you gotta be willing to know and understand when those situations are and play your position. Right? That that was something that we butted heads about. And then but we had a conversation recently, and I said, yo, like you gotta understand. No matter how fractured our kingdom is as a divorced couple, two people who are thrust into co-parenting, ultimately we are both still the king and queen of this fractured kingdom. We got to keep the kingdom running. So so then, yes, I'm going to take the word ego out
0: of it and say that I am a leader. I am an, a naturally born leader, and there are certain things that, I'm, that I'm, I'm not discounting any of your leadership abilities, but I'm saying that there are just certain things that I'm better at leading on. I'm not into having yeah. an argument about it simply because we live in two separate households, right? That has not changed, right? That was one of the things that you know attracted you to me—that I am a leader and that I do make things happen and get things done, and I expect you to respect that, even if we're apart.
1: There exists the ability to lead from behind, and and I, and I think like you know in relationships, it's about finding that that dynamic, and it doesn't like, always have to be a power struggle. But I think one of the problems. And this is a a whole other episode is in in romantic relationships where you have women who have been taught to be independent, to be powerful, to be dominant and to be self-reliant. And then now they're in a situation where they have to share that power. Or in order for something to succeed, they have to be willing to give up a, a, a portion of that power and a portion of that control.
0: And that's a very difficult thing. That is what the entire conversation that the entire country is going through right now. What other episodes come to your mind? The Deep Dive, where Ellen visited us and asked a bunch of questions. Oh, um, wh- where she whipped on us for an hour? To get in our ship. <laughs> And that was the first episode where you revealed that you fucked up.
1: Yeah, you know and it's it interesting because I in conversationally I've always been very open about, you know, who I am and my short my shortfalls and you know where I fucked up in my life. Because I always looked at that and go, How do I do better? How do I improve? Right? Um, but yeah, on the show that was the first time. And I will say that there's a lot of growth that comes from that level of discomfort. Like, while you go through it, I'm a martial artist. I've been in a lot of fights. I gonna whip my ass for an hour, right? So
0: you're saying that there's a lot of growth that goes through, comes from actually saying it
1: out loud? Saying it, not, not just saying it out loud, because I've said it out loud before. I mean, hell, you you guys heard my ex-wife. We have a lot of candid conversations and she knew. Any opportunity she gets, she'll take me to task on some shit that happened twenty years ago. But I say, saying it out loud in this format on our show and with our listeners, that there was a there was a level of catharsis to it. There was a level of catharsis to being challenged about you know things that we haven't necessarily covered yet. And, and you got to remember that that episode was pretty early on in in our at least I remember it being pretty early on. You know, uh Yes, it was.
0: Uh, I can't see the number or when it was released, but yes, it was. Yeah,
1: that was that was pretty early on. So it was like, oh yeah, we recorded a couple episodes and then we we said this stuff and Ellen came on and said, boom! All right, I got some hard questions. And, and I, I say it was an asshole, but you know, it was like she she was brutal. She was not like on some Haraldo Rivera, Maury Povich, hard hitting interview shit. September.
0: Yeah. So we had been on. For just under three months okay.
1: but that, that, that was a, that was a good episode. Um, the Delft 2.0s like I enjoyed doing those. I enjoyed doing those because um, it gave us an opportunity to to behind the scenes kind of interact with people and see what were the things that were top of mind for them, but then also like to give the people what they want right like like we, we originally started off and we had like the mailbag and so forth to we get people. We would occasionally write in and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm seeing, or this is maybe what I want to talk to you guys about, or this is the question I have for you. But when we said, hey, we released our guilt episode, and the feedback we got was, yeah, that was great, that was awesome, but we wanted more direct content about you too. And we, we went back to people and said, okay, what do you want to know? So that was a lot more organic, right? It was more like, you know, if, if I, I look at like the I call it the, the Ed Koch approach. Like, how we do it? How we do it? You know? That was a fun one to do. Like, we basically answered people's questions based on what they really wanted to know about us, about our approaches to dating and co parenting and, you know, dealing with our exes and shit like that. So I've done that one.
0: I did too. Um, yeah. Uh, I wish um, there had been, well, I guess there were some. Uh, uh...
1: Oh, oh, no.
0: Spit it out, son. Spit it out. You watch the room what? So if they had asked more intimate questions, I would have answered them. So, um, we've been at this for a little while, so there's one more that I'd like to talk about. Um, and then we need to wind down, right? He's shouting at me from the other room. Yes, Miles. Your nose still hurts? Okay, give me a second, I'll be there. You you need to you need to hook him up with Kim's daughter. Oh my god. Oh my god. So you talked about it a little bit, right? The Baby sure. Mama Joins Us episode. Your ex-wife joined us. Um, I reached out to her probably in around just before Thanksgiving, but we didn't actually end up recording until in the new year. And, uh, you know, I reached to you to tell you that, you know, I was looking to get it done. Um, but I think that went well. I think that, you know, um, I think she held back just a little bit. Um, because you know there were some things I think she just wasn't ready to talk about um, the feedback on that episode um, you know was good um, one of the things that you know one of our sister uh, podcasts said was that she posted it on her her IG these guys always keep it so real over there you know she was posting I guess one of the things that uh, you know uh, your ex-wife had said or one of the commentaries So
1: oh, I really enjoyed that yeah, that episode sucked. Fuck you. <laughs> 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 nah, nah. I keep 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 it fifty. Like, you know, I I I really enjoyed listening to the episode, and you know we, we had the you know the bonus stuff and the extended features or whatever. But like the the core episode, I really enjoyed listening to it because it's not like it's not conversations that we haven't had before, but. It was her telling her side of the story uninterrupted, and you can hear my my rebuttal to to all that, or or my thoughts on all that. Like if you go back and listen, and whether it was a hundred percent historically accurate, it was what she felt, you know. And it goes back to you know, to, to my Angela. It's like you don't remember what somebody said, you won't remember what they did, but you remember how they made you feel. So. For her to come on to share those feelings and be a buck fifty with it, you know, I got commended for it. Yeah, and, and speaking of like our our, our our sister podcast, those were fun episodes too. Um,
0: when we visited her, yes, and we
1: yeah. with us, yes, absolutely. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And I, we, take that, we take that for granted. We take that for granted now. We do, we do. You know, like it, we, we, we absolutely take it for granted. It's it, and I think that's one of the best things that that has come out of your this year that we spent doing this thing, we've built this community, right? We built this group of new friends and and, and new colleagues and collaborators and co-conspirators and it's worldwide. Like you look at the stunt mom episode and we had two single mothers, you know, in Amsterdam come on the show and share their experiences of co-parenting in another country, right? And you have, you know, Kim, from single black motherhood who you know is an amazing you know co-contributor co-contribu- to our show and not necessarily just being on the episodes but like always big up our brand with her followers and like inviting us on to like her single mom's chat that she does on sunday nights or just like when we come out with something reposting it or if she sees something that is of value to us like just reach out and having the conversation just we we've, we've developed you know a, a few people that we have that kind of relationship or rapport with and I, I think that's one of the major takeaways from all this all right me too me too so
0: um uh we need to wrap up right yeah. but uh you know in closing right um I actually have something that I want to rant on um, and uh, if you had anything that you wanted to say, you know you should go because uh Uh, Daddy's going to get hot.
1: (laughs) You know know what? I will say this. And kind of circling back to, to the initial topic of this conversation. Like... Being the designated black guy is absolutely exhausting. You know, I, I, I've i been in a lot of formats and forums and having a lot of conversations about race and social justice and inequities in this country and worldwide for quite a while. And while it is exhausting and while you know it, it's draining, I will say it is absolutely necessary. So let's have your hot take, Papa. What's going on? So, um,
0: on my personal Instagram, I posted. Um, Uh, the acronym SJW, Social Justice warrior, Right. And it was intentional. Right. Um, And somebody posted back uh, its use um, uh, as a satire. right? Right. Which, you know, I sort of knew was coming. Right. Right. You know, and not that I knew that They were going to say that, or somebody was going to say that, but I knew that the term social justice warrior was, uh, not seen as, uh, something to be proud of, right? Like, you know, people, you know, take it to mean something else. So they said that, and I replied, uh, I am claiming it, double exclamation point. And they, um, replied, you're claiming that it's used as a satire or claiming the term and I said, the term, and they said, oh, no, you, it's used uh, satirically, my dude. I'm not saying the word right, right? Mm-hmm. And then I responded, because this is what I was trying to get to. I was drawing them in, right? I do not define me by what or how other people define themselves or what other people use to define themselves or what they think of me. I use what I want, when I want, how I want to define me. I am a social justice warrior. And by that double estimation point, what I was trying to say in its true meaning, not what people have changed it to be, right? If people see that and think negative, too bad for them. We can use queer and N. And that we can use queer and that's okay. We can use N and that's okay. But not social justice warrior. Before you sent your original message, I already knew how people um, looked at it and made a conscious decision to send the message that I don't care. I'm claiming that term. And they responded. Queer and N-word are not okay, though. First of all, I don't know what the fuck that means, right? Right. But, you know, you go to this person's, um, if you click the link, I'm not going to give them that much credence here, but if you click the link, they don't even have their face up, right? right? They're high. So the first thing that bothers me is when motherfuckers got the nerve to respond or to post or to say something on somebody else's comments, pages, tweets, whatever the fuck else it is, and meanwhile, their account is private, or they ain't showing their face. They got some cartoon character or some other bullshit up there, right? right. That shit drives me up the fucking wall, right? Um, and then the other thing, you know, I, I go through like, you know, I'm on Twitter personally. I'm on Instagram, you know. I see a lot of these things that people tweet and post, and then you roll scroll through a lot of this stuff, and you see some of these comments, and there are sometimes that I am so eager to respond and say, listen, you dumb motherfucker, right? But I'm not going to feed these trolls. I'm not. I'm just not. How about you mind your business, motherfucker, and allow me to, to, to do what the fuck I want when I want as long as it ain't bothering you or nobody else, right? People are so busy trying to teach somebody else something. How about you just mind your fucking business? And sometimes it's not
1: even a a teaching moment. Like, I I, I say it about opinions because everybody has an opinion. And the reality is, whenever you post something on social media in a public forum, you open yourself up to the opinions about. This is kind of the same reason that I no longer use Facebook. And I've had people for the past five years say, "Hey, you need to get back on Facebook. You're missing out." I'm like, "I'm not missing shit," because it's basically those kinds of interactions. You post something, somebody has an opposing view, and it's not a conversation or debate, it's rhetoric. Nobody's learning from each other. It's people having conversations in an echo chamber and just reinforcing their opinions. And especially from the position of being the designated black guy or being you know, a, 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 a social justice warrior where you people who are just regurgitating bullshit and it's like I, that I don't have the energy for I, I, like I just don't and and for your claiming the term social justice warrior you can utilize social justice warrior because that means something very specific to you and that's not for somebody else to define for you so fuck
0: them yeah but but, but you know and, and, and the people who do the people who do not join any in, sort of his though or her or whoever okay. that's why somebody else say that shit they heard people spit that shit out and now they want to sound important or knowledgeable or whatever else it is and they going around repeating that shit but that's
1: how that's how that's how most people that's how most people live their lives like but it's like I say, I even said on there I said so you know let's put N aside
0: I said so people can use the word queer and that's okay and you know this person's response who I assumed is a guy said um Queer is not okay. I've heard plenty of gay people refer to themselves as queer. Right. Who would I mean, tell him that he can't refer to himself as queer? But, it, but it's also take on. All you gotta do is mind
1: your fucking business. All you so, gotta do is mind your fucking business. Here, but here's the thing it's people who are bored, it's people who believe they're insightful, it's people who are looking for followers, right? So you have people who are showing you light and showing you. You know, support and who follow your page. And this person, cause I like, I've had it on my personal page. I've had people who go comment on, like, I'll post shit I cook, and somebody will comment and just be like leave something negative about whatever I made. And then I go on, you know, curiosity gets the better of me. I look at it and I'm like, motherfucker, you have five followers, like, and you don't post your face and you don't post your, your, what you're cooking. Like, you you just came out of nowhere and vomited your opinion on what I posted. Now that said, I posted my shit and it's public. So I open myself up to that. But I'm also not going to business with you and give you the the attention of going back and forth with you because I know what you're looking for. You're looking for attention. Go ahead. I'm not going to, like, I don't have the energy. My energy can be well spent in so many other things than trying to convert somebody who is not willing willing to come to truth, right? Or interacting with somebody who's just trying to get a fucking reaction out of them. All right. So with that, um, we're going to
0: wind out and we're going to close out. um, Call to action.
1: Ladies, gentlemen, and consenting adults, thank you for joining us for another episode of Single Dad, Why You Mad? We truly appreciate you. Thank you for rocking with us over this past year. Continue, continue to tell your friends about us. Follow us on our social media, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, you know, Go to our webpage. Check us out. Uh, reach out with any questions. DM us. We're, we're open. We're conversational. We appreciate your love and support.
0: And uh, we willing, well, We're getting ready to do the next uh, Single Dad Why You Mad montage. Um, we want different languages. So, if you speak any other language besides english please feel free to send us the single dad why you mad drop thank you very much single dad why you mad single dad why you mad single dad why you mad single dad why are you mad single dad why you mad single dad why you mad single dad
1: why you mad single dad why you mad